Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. So, we are continuing this series um, called For the Journey, which is looking at the kind of... Um, looking at prayer, looking at reading the Bible, looking at community, looking at all those different things. Um, and I'm looking at prayer today. Um, the reason we're doing this series and focusing in on this is because, for me, I believe and we believe in what we've talked about so much is about helping people fall on their journey. And helping people fall on their journey could be as um, straightforward as giving food to God's coffee shop, which means they can give food to people. It could be um, that it's being alongside, alongside somebody at work or at home who's going through a difficult time. It could be praying for someone that's sick. It could be, um, I don't know, turning your home into whatever it may be. The point is it's helping people fall on their journey, whatever way that may be. And doing that means that the challenge, and I suppose, with that is that in a society where the attention is all about on how I establish myself as the most important person in the world and how I become the famous one and how I become the one that everyone looks up to, is to go against that grain and be like, well, actually, I'm just going to help that person be who they've called, been called to be. I'm going to look at what I can do to even potentially lay my own life down to help other people around me flourish and thrive into all that God's called them to do. Flourish and thrive into just enjoying and living life and life to the full like Jesus talked about. And that's a challenge because we are inundated constantly with messages of you need to do this to be the best possible you. You need to do this to be the one that's successful. You need to do this to be the one that stands out. And therefore to go against that is a challenge. And therefore in the same way that um, Elijah... God spoke to Elijah after he'd run away from Jezebel. He'd had this big confrontation and these amazing things, run away from Jezebel because he, he was scared. And God simply says to him that you need to eat because the journey is too great for you. And in one sense, that to book a trend, a societal trend, a cultural trend, is too great for us in our own effort and our own ability. And therefore, we wanted to kind of reflect on, okay, how do we ensure that we have what we need for the journey how do we ensure that we have what we need to be able to walk the journey that god's given us which in a large part is to help other people walk their journey too how do we do that in the, and then we look at like hebrews 12 and it's hebrews 12 amazing revelation again comes after hebrews 11 and hebrews 11 talks about the fact that um you've got these heroes of faith you've got the abrahams you've got the moses you've got the, these guys who walked their own journey and then Hebrews 12 picks it up and says, because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I, because there's these guys, these testimonies, these men and women of God who have walked the journey that they were given to do, he said, because we're surrounded by that thing, let us lay aside every weight. And it talks about them looking unto Jesus and that idea of beholding Jesus and, and seeing him and keeping my eyes fixed on him. That is what enables me to have what I need for the journey. That it's not about following a seven-step program to be, now I'll be a successful me at lasting my journey. That's not it. It's about, I want to behold you. So I want to build that relationship with Jesus, whether I behold him, and that's what gives me the ability to run my race, the ability to walk my journey, the ability to do what I have been called to do, the ability to do what you have been called to do, as a community, what we have been called to do. In that challenge, Then, it, and it is huge. It's a massive thing. It's not a nice Sunday message where we just go, 
let's come to church and just talk about something twee. But then this is societal shifting. It's culture shifting. And therefore it's going, okay, what do I need to do to be able to do that? I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. I behold Jesus. And all these things we're looking at, prayer, reading our Bible, worship, um, community, good deeds, and all those things we're looking at, all those things fixed around this idea, they're all about beholding Jesus. That it's not, I behold Jesus and then I pray, or I behold Jesus and then I'm in my Bible, or I behold Jesus and then I do a good deed. But actually, doing that good deed is beholding Jesus. Praying is beholding Jesus. Worship is beholding Jesus. Reading my Bible is beholding Jesus. Being in a community is beholding Jesus. And it's just realising those things because then those things, it's not something I do differently or separately that makes me I behold Jesus, but actually in that dynamic I am beholding him. And because I'm beholding him, I then have strength for the journey. I have the ability to walk the journey or to walk the path that we've been called to walk. It's not just nice messages. It's a thing that enables us to shape culture and bring a heavenly culture and a heavenly perspective and a Jesus culture and a Jesus perspective into the places and spaces that we operate and work in. So I want to talk about prayer this morning. This is such a challenging topic to talk about because it just you could go like a million and one different directions. But I'm going to try and just go one direction um, and not sing a song. Um, um, <laughs> such a bad joke, isn't it? Anyway... <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Like you all were ready for it, all right? which probably says a lot about all of us, isn't it? Anyway, um, prayer is the interaction is interaction with heaven that leads to earthly change and influence. So prayer is interaction with heaven that leads to earthly change and influence. So one more time, because that's what you do when you preach. So prayer is interaction with heaven that leads to earthly change and influence. The reason it's interaction with heaven is because prayer, bottom line, is my relationship, is my interaction with the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. I remember growing up in, in church, and this is just a little side thing, and genuinely thinking that I'm, I don't know who I'm talking to. Am I talking to Jesus? Am I talking to the Holy Spirit? Am I talking to the, God the Father? And just having this like really weird like thing of like, who, who do I talk to? And going through different phases as kind of a different focus was given and the messages that were given on a Sunday. It's like, oh, now we're talking about Jesus, so I must be, yeah, it's Jesus. And then actually thinking, maybe it's not, maybe it's the Holy Spirit. The point is we interact with all of them because they're not distinctive and separate. That I interact with them and therefore they interact with me. So there's not this distinction. That's just a side note, but it's just something that as I was preparing, I was thinking it brought that memory back up and like, going, actually, I don't know who I'm talking to. Um, it's kind of weird when you think about it. But anyway, um, so we interact with them and we interact with heaven. And that is a relational thing. It, it's the fact that that is what prayer is bottom line. It's a relational aspect. It's a communication. It's a talking. It's a dialogue. It's an interaction with an engagement with with heaven, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with God the Father. It's that dynamic I'm brought into. We are brought into that dynamic. And therefore prayer, foundationally, is that. But then the second thing that it is, it is a, it's an, brings earthly change and influence. It's not just something where I interact, but that interaction causes change both in me, but it also brings change in the world I live in. Because again, growing up in church, you potentially start to become slightly schizophrenic because you get told different things all the time. But growing up in church, either people swing to, prayer is just about me changing. That's all it's about. It's about me changing and being a better me in the world. And that is true. Or, no, prayer is about changing the circumstances that you face. It's about praying for 
the person to be made well, praying for financial breakthrough, praying for societal change, whatever it may be. But as with all these things, the pendulum swings both ways to too extreme. Prayer is both of those things. By that interaction, that relationship, it changes me. But at the same time, we cannot lower our expectations of prayer where we go, actually, prayer just changes me. That's not just what it does. Prayer changes circumstances. And we have to have that expectation about my interaction, the engagement with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, with heaven, to realize that actually it does change me, but it also changes things. Because Jesus is my example. Jesus didn't just change himself in that sense. It wasn't just like he went to be with the Father to change him. He prayed and things changed. That's the model we've we follow but sometimes disappointment and frustration can cause our theology to change where we go actually prayer isn't about changing the circumstances prayer is just about it being bringing change to me prayer is about changing circumstances absolutely that 100% and even if the circumstance doesn't change it doesn't mean that's not what prayer is for because it is but at the same time it's about me allowing it to change me as much as it changes the circumstances too and that I become a when it talks about in, in um, 2 Corinthians, it says that as I behold him, I'm transformed to the same image. That it brings that expression of more Christ-likeness in the way I conduct myself. That's part of prayer, but it's also, if I'm more Christ-like, then circumstances change. Because where Jesus went, things changed. And therefore, we have that dual expectation of, of prayer. And I've gone way, way, way off my notes in the first five minutes. Anyway, let's try and come back. He, um, let's go to Matthew 14. I'm going to use Matthew 14, or more correctly, I'm going to use the story of Jesus walking on water to try and keep me um, in one direction when I talk about prayer. Okay? Um, I'm so tempted to reference a One Direction song then. I'm not going to. I'm going to stay clear of that. Um, Matthew 14 and verse 22. The context of this is... Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has just been beheaded. Now, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, prepared the way for Jesus. So there is a relational connection to him, but there's also a um, lineage connection to him in terms of the responsibility John the Baptist had in terms of preparing the way and making space, raising expectation about Jesus coming into the world. So there's a connection between Jesus and, and John the Baptist. So Jesus, understandably, is potentially upset by this situation Jesus was not a robot he didn't just move from one thing or that just was going to happen he is upset he's moved by the fact that his cousin and this person who lay his own life down to prepare the way for Jesus has just been beheaded he is upset by that the second bit of context is that after that Jesus tries to go and get some space um, to deal with that and his disciples as well um, but people follow them um, and when people follow them, they also he Jesus doesn't turn them away and go, well, I need a bit of time right now, guys, which is exactly what I would do. Um, please go away, leave me alone, don't talk to me right now. Or if I didn't say that, I'd just be grumpy and give the impression, please disappear. I don't want you around me right now. Jesus is obviously a heck of a lot better than me right now. Um, so he is then moved with compassion, and he is so moved with compassion that he goes. It, I think it's in John or Mark. It says that because he saw there were sheep without a shepherd. So he is moved with compassion and he goes that he starts to teach them and he gives his time to them. So he's in a, an emotional state because of John the Baptist. Once goes away with the disciples to arguably to get space from that point of view. People follow. He's not then go away. He moves with compassion. He, he, he teaches them. And then not only that, he then feeds them. And that's where we get the feeding of the 5,000. So that's the kind of context that we find ourselves in with this point here. And 
one side note, which we are somehow going to do, I don't know how we're going to do this and actually stay within 40 minutes next week. We're doing a dual preach next week, which could be fascinating. So just brace yourself to be here till like four o'clock in the afternoon um, on good deeds. Just a side note that it is interesting that Jesus is weary, upset, whatever word you want to attach to it because of John the Baptist and wants space. So there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus modeled the fact there's nothing wrong to pull yourself aside and get space but what he also shows is the fact that actually even in that I can find sustenance in my good deed i.e. in showing compassion and like Sai will probably share next week it taught, Jesus talked about the fact that my will is to do or my, my bread is to do the will of my father that Jesus was demonstrating the fact that actually in my doing these good deeds it provided sustenance for him because often we see good deed as separate to now recharge batteries I go and do a good deed, I recharge, I go and do a good deed, and it's like backwards and forth. But actually, Jesus was demonstrating the fact that you can recharge in doing the good deed. You can find sustenance in doing the good deed. That they, again, it's not this idea that prayer, pray, then do good deed. Go back and pray again, then go and good de- good, do good deed. But those things are all connected. They're all intertwined and joined together. Um, but anyway, that's not what I'm talking about today. Jesus then... Um, We pick up verse 22. It says this. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, which is interesting because he's demonstrating the fact that actually I can find sustenance in my good deed, but actually also at the same time, it's okay to go away by yourself and pray. And that sounds ridiculous to say, but sometimes people go to the other extreme, don't they? Just go and do good deeds all the time. And that, that's it. But you're actually also modeling the fact that actually you also pull yourself away to pray. That's fine. I wanted that initially. Didn't get it. That's fine. I'll find sustenance in the good deed. But then when they've all gone away and they're fed and they're all that kind of stuff, then I'll go away by myself and pray. So he does that, just as a little side note. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat, now in the middle of the sea, and I want to pick up that idea in the middle in a minute, tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter came out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. When he saw the wind was boisterous, and he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And this has got, it's so ridiculously rich, this passage of scripture, but I'm going to try and, again, stay one direction. I don't know why I keep referencing them today, but anyway. Um, I am. I'm going to break out in song very shortly. Absolutely that. Um, <laughs> one amazing thing and this I want to use this story this account as a frame to build an aspect to pray around the really fascinating thing about this to me is Jesus sent the disciples in a boat off ahead of him so he sent them on a journey Okay, he put them in a boat and sent them on a journey and therefore there was an expected destination of that journey there was a start point of that journey but we pick up the next reference then with them being in the middle and I think that's really significant because 
we have things that we intend to do, things we feel God's called us to do, things we think that are important to do, things we're praying for. And it's often, isn't it, in the middle where stuff gets difficult. Because the middle is when I'm away from the shore where I started, but I'm not actually there at the destination yet. So the place I started from with that enthusiasm, that excitement about this is what we're going to do, come on, that's distant now because I've sailed off into the middle. But I'm not actually yet in sight of where I'm going yet. And I'm stuck right in the middle. And I think it's fascinating that 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 point is referenced in this thing. Because he's saying that actually the middle is the hardest bit, isn't it? The middle is the bit where perhaps we are praying for or believing for a breakthrough in somebody's long-term health condition. And we've started off excited and boys just like, absolutely, let's see this situation transform. Let's see this thing change. And we do that and then we get about six months down the line and it's like, it's not changed yet. And we're in the middle because we've not even seen the start of change yet. We're in the middle. We're not seeing, we can't see the breakthrough on the other side yet because we're in the middle. Or it might be that we've started a project and we're doing something and we're working with, with, I don't know, with the homeless and we want to see transformation and change in the lives of the people that are there. And it's really good and it's great and it's fantastic. And then we get to the middle. And those guys we've been working with for like a year seem in a worse state than they were when we started a year ago. And it's in the middle. And it's like, oh man, we're in the middle. This is not going well, is it? Why are we doing this? And I just think it's an amazing thing about prayer in general. As we're praying for these guys that are homeless, or we're praying for this person at work, or whatever we're doing, we get to the middle point, and it's like it just seems like it's not going to work. And... I just think it's a phenomenal thing that we pick up this story with the middle. The other thing that I think is really fascinating about it is that it says, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. This is not, don't swing the pendulum right to this way, okay, because that's what we're tending to do, okay. It was the wind that was contrary. It was not the devil, which I think is a fascinating thing because we face circumstances, don't we? And we super spiritualize and go, oh my goodness me, the devil's after me. The, the disciples, I have no idea, but going, oh my goodness me, the devil's after me. No, he's not. It's a windy day. You're in a boat on the sea and it's windy. That's why it's stormy. It's not the devil. Now that does not mean, that does not mean there are not some circumstances because we're not going to stay here now okay, and go, it's always the circumstances, okay? But it does not mean, so if you're somewhere in the middle, that there are not circumstances where that is the case. That there is some kind of persecution or some kind of attack because of that. But sometimes it's just the circumstances you find yourself in. It's just the irritating person at work that's not possessed or kind of <laughs> on a journey to destroy your life. Or it's not the, the kid at school who is just difficult. It's because of the circumstances I find myself in as a teacher with the kids in my classroom who come from their own set of circumstances that they find themselves in. Now, I'm not trying to diminish the spiritual aspect to it because there is this, everything is spiritual. But I just we, we sometimes overfocus on the fact that every negative situation we face is some kind of demonic activity going on. And it's just not. There are some that that, that is the case. Absolutely 100% believe that. But not all of them. And in this thing, it specifically says that the wind was contrary to them. That the wind, i.e. the circumstances they were in, were contrary to them. And it made it more difficult for them to go from where they started to where they finished. 
And we face that, don't we? We face circumstances that make in our prayer lives, in whatever it is, in what we're doing as a journey, but that process that makes it harder for us to go from where we started to where we finish. And it's just sometimes the circumstances. But that's just stuff happens. Okay? And in amongst all that, there might be some other kind of stuff that goes on. Some, I'll call it spiritual stuff, I don't mean it in that sense, but like some spiritual stuff that goes on as well. Absolutely that. And I believe in the impact, and, and you hear the stories and things of, of, of people doing stuff like um, standing against stuff in cities and hearing then that, that witches start to come out and pray around the area and stuff like that. Absolutely believe that stuff can be stirred up to, to counter what God is doing. Completely agree with that. But sometimes we over-spiritualise stuff and make it all about that. And actually sometimes it's just the circumstance of life. It's just we get through a difficult situation and just stuff just goes wrong. The car breaks down. Someone says something horrible to you at work. The, you, you get results that you're not wanting to get in whatever way it may be that's just circumstance it doesn't mean that then there can't also be the other aspect to it and i'm over laboring that point but you understand what i mean um there's a bit and this is where i want to focus because remember prayers about beholding jesus same story but in mark you don't have to turn there if you don't want to but mark 6 verse 48 says this same story same account same situation but just a different um, view of that situation. Mark 6, 48. Remember the middle. <laughs> they just love this about Jesus. Um, we'll start at verse 47. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the This is Mark 6, 47. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. <laughs> just, I love Jesus because he's just so confusing at points. Now, about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed by them. Okay? Jesus sees them struggling. And then the next bit is then he effectively is going to them and would have gone by them. That makes no sense. He sees them struggling and then he acts. Obviously Jesus acts. He sees them struggling and he goes to them. Absolutely that. And then it says, but he would have passed by them. Okay, you're struggling. I can see that. I'm going to go to you, but actually I'm not going to you. I'm going to pass by you. Even from an English point of view, that doesn't make any sense. You can't go to them and pass by them at the same time they're, they're opposite things unless unless the point is that unless the point that Jesus is trying to make about prayer the point that Jesus is trying to make about this interaction with heaven that brings earthly change and influence is not that we just pray for a saviour to save us from a situation unless that's the point he's trying to make unless the going to them is going to them but not in a literal sense of I will physically come to you but the going to them is his attitude of heart that you're struggling therefore I'm going to do something that's going to come to you that's going to help you but it's not necessarily what you think is going to help you it's not necessarily what the way you think I'm going to come to you but it's a different kind of way that I'm going to come to you that I see you struggling that I see you facing circumstances that are against you I see you praying for that situation and I see that it's not changing and you're in the middle and you're finding it hard and you're finding it difficult and I'm going to come to you in the sense that I am for you in the sense that I am with you but actually I'm going to walk past because I believe Jesus in a, in a crazy kind of way and this sounds ridiculous on its own in, out of context but I believe Jesus was trying to get them away from this idea of you just need a saviour to save your life I believe he was doing something more profound and deeper in the lives of these guys. I'm going to pick up the rest of that to see what that is. It's a good job I'm not stopping right now, isn't it? Um, 
I believe Jesus was going to walk by them because he was demonstrating what it looks like to go from one side to the other. Because that's, that's, that's what he told them to do. He said, get in a boat, go from here to there. And I believe Jesus got in the water, saw, saw them struggling, thinking, okay, these, these guys are struggling. I love these guys. I'm for these guys. They're struggling. Therefore, what can I do? Not what can I do in the immediate situation that just rescues them from that situation, but what can I do that helps these guys forever in that kind of circumstance? So when they next face this kind of thing where circumstances contrary to them, or where there's some kind of spiritual demonic attack on their lives, what can I do that helps them overcome in that situation? Because me just going to the boat and going, right, wind, cease, doesn't necessarily help them overcome in future situations. It builds a mentality in their mind of, actually, I'm the one that sorts it out, you're the ones that need sorting out. And that's not what Jesus, Jesus wanted for his disciples. He didn't want people, when he had died and gone to the cross and gone to heaven, who just were these kind of weak, indecisive, unable to do anything kind of guys. He wanted guys who were going to go and turn the world upside down. And, it, and it's a fascinating thing for me about prayer because I believe Jesus is shifting their mentality of what prayer looks like and what it feels like. Shifting their focus away from praying for a saviour to come and rescue me from the circumstance I'm in to someone that demonstrates and gives an example of this, this is how you go from one side to the other. Because remember, prayer is about beholding Jesus and that when I behold Jesus, I become what I behold. And I believe that Jesus is walking across the water, not to show off or to go, look at me, I can walk on water, but to go, guys, look at me, I'm going from one side to the other side. If you catch a glimpse of me doing that, you'll do exactly the same thing. You'll go from where you are right now in the middle, where you are struggling right now, and you'll go from whatever that situation is, whatever that circumstance is, and you'll go from that place to the other side. you just got to keep your eyes on me. But they saw him wrong. Because they saw him not as Jesus. They saw him as a ghost. They saw him as something to be feared. Therefore, their perception of him at that point in time was not Jesus, was not a source of example and therefore hope, but was a source of fear and uncertainty. And therefore, they, they, they didn't learn in that moment what they needed to learn. And for us, I believe, and for myself, absolutely, I believe that Jesus is going, look, look at me, look at me, keep your eyes on me, because when you keep your eyes on me, you'll start to do what I do. That when I face circumstances that need to change, I don't necessarily think Jesus necessarily wanted them to be in the storm. I, I personally believe that, he, that one of the, the, the ways that the disciples could have responded would have been to go storm, be still. Because that would have been a way, but they didn't do that. They waited for him to come and calm the storm. And I believe Jesus is shifting our mentality about the way we see circumstances. The so often I find myself praying to Jesus to change the situation. And Jesus is going, no, no, look at me. Get your eyes on me. Look at how I change the situation. Look at what I do in that place. Look at how I respond to that. Look at what happens in that space. Because Jesus is not going, Jesus wants people on the earth who go into places and bring change in that place. And he was showing them, this is how you go from one side to the other side. This is what you do. He was showing them how to overcome. He was showing them how to press through. He was showing them not to save them from the storm, but enable them to overcome in that place, in that storm.
Now that does not mean when I am sick, Jesus is going, no, go on then, see what you can do, go on then, see what you can do. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm not saying that he prolongs sickness as some kind of teaching thing. Absolutely not saying that in any way, shape or form. I'm talking about the circumstances of life, that when we face this situation, because they're learning about in there right now, about being the light of the world. If I'm light of the world, I go to dark places to shine. In dark places, there are difficult situations, there are difficult circumstances, so I have to get to a point where I can go, I can be light in that place, in that difficult environment. That's what Jesus is teaching them. This is how you pray in that difficult space. When things are coming against, this is how you be light in that environment. This is how you be kind when not just somebody is mean to you, but where everybody hates you. This is how you be kind in spite of that situation. This is how you go into an environment and be hope when the environment is just the, not just slightly dismissive of the possibility there'll be a good outcome, but where everybody is going, the, the, there is literally no hope. There is no chance this is going to turn. There is no way in any way, shape or form. And it's actually your fault because of that. Jesus is teaching them how you be hope in that environment. Because he's given the message, look, behold me. Look at what I am doing and I can help you be, bring peace to the storm. I can help you get from one side to the next. I can help you walk on water. Why do we know that? Because in Matthew, Peter does it. Doesn't he? Peter, get, Peter sees Jesus right, in a, in a way, eventually, and goes, if it is you, Lord, tell me to come. So Jesus see, Peter sees him and therefore starts to do what Jesus was doing. Peter got the message at that point in time. And then it says, he took his eyes off Jesus. And it's the, the, the story we talk about all the time. He took his eyes off Jesus and he started to sink. He took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the circumstance. But when his eyes were on Jesus, he was doing what Jesus was doing. Now, I don't believe that was Jesus' intention was just to go, right, come out the boat, Peter, and just walk from here to where I am. And you've done it. Fantastic. I read Jesus' intention was, okay, that's fine, Peter. You, you want to say it's me? Walk on water. But actually walk from here to the other side with me. Because Jesus wanted Peter to come and do what he was doing. So I believe Jesus was like, quite off. Go on then. Me and you will walk from here to there. They can go in the boat from here to there. But you know what? We're all going from here to there. And I'm not just coming in to go, I'll take you from here to there. Because the John version says that as soon as Jesus got into the boat, after the disciples had panicked and freaked out and stuff, as soon as he got to the boat, the boat went to the other side. Now, I've played far too many games recently, but that in my mind is game over. That's, that's Jesus going, like, come on guys, we can do this. You can see me and get from here to the side. I can teach you how to be hope in hopeless situations. I can teach you how to be light and dance. I can teach you how to be kind in unkind places. I can teach you to do that. But, but I believe in this situation, the disciples failed that challenge. And therefore Jesus got into the bone. It's like, okay, we didn't do it this time. That's game over for this level. We'll try again another time. We'll try and get this message somewhere else, okay? It's like playing the game and going, like, oh man, I didn't do it, I have to restart again, let's have another go. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was going, look, I can get this to you guys, you didn't do it this time, but we'll have another go another time. We'll, we'll find another situation, we'll find another set of circumstances where I can help you see that it's not me that's just the person they come to. But actually when I'm gone, you'll do greater works than these. 
because I go to my Father. He's trying to get them into that way of thinking. Change their attitude about prayer. The prayer is not me praying for a saviour to come down and just heal everything and sort everything out. Prayer is about me going, okay, I behold him and I start to express him into the world of men. That he's shifting their mentality towards these things. Because when he... I don't have a clue what version of this I'm reading now. Never. We'll go for Mark. Um, this says in verse 50... For they all saw him with trouble, but immediately he talked to them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went into the boat and uh, to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves, beyond measure, and marvelled. And, I'm so glad you got love me. We read that as like, that's amazing. They worship Jesus. I don't think that's what he wanted. I don't think his intention was like, because it's not, it's not Jesus, is it? It doesn't make sense. Think about every other account of Jesus we know. His intention is never, look at me, look at me, look at me. Ever. In any situation we look at, it's not that. His whole intention is to do something in the way that people think. And change the way they think. So when he gets into the boat, the wind stops, everything's amazing. They're going, Jesus, you're awesome. You're amazing. And it absolutely is. He absolutely is all those things. But actually, they missed the point of what he was trying to teach them in the first place. And they went back to this kind of like, saving, Jesus, you're it. Jesus, you are it. And he's trying to go, yeah, I, I know who I am, but actually I want you to be able to do what I've just done in this situation. I want you to see prayer as not praying for me to come to the boat and bring stillness to the storm. But I want you to see the prayer as actually you going, Jesus did that, therefore actually I'll bring peace to the storm. Jesus walked on water, therefore I'll just walk from here to the side on water. He's shifting their mentality. He's changing the way that they think. Verse 51 again in Mark says this. Then he went up into the boat to them, and I've just read this, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marvelled. For they had not understood about the loads because their heart was hardened. Before that, it's a random statement to make because they're not understood about the loaves. Which tells us there's something in the feeding the 5,000 that tells us about this story. Jesus took the boys' lunch, blessed it, but didn't then give it out to everybody. He took the boys' lunch, he blessed it, and he gave it to the disciples. And it wasn't like some kind of miracle grow loaf where he went, Jesus, Father, just thank you for this loaf. And in his hands, this loaf just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And he gave this massive loaf to Peter. And then it's like, oh, it's getting bigger again. And they gave this massive loaf to John. It wasn't that at all. He blessed this boy's lunch and then gave it to the disciples. And it talks about there's 5,000 men, then people estimate there's maybe 20,000 in total, whatever. There's a lot of people. There's, the, there's 12 disciples. So they are going out, whatever way you do that math, with the bit that Jesus has given them, and they are giving it to people. And as they're giving it to people with their hands, it's not running out. It's not Jesus giving it to them. It's them giving it to people. So Jesus is saying, or it says, that they didn't understand the loads because they didn't realise that actually, yeah, I am your source, guys. I am the one who provides you everything you need for life and godliness. I'm the one that gives you that sustenance, that, that everything you need. I'm the one that takes it and blesses it. But actually, it works through you guys. 
you're the one that gave the bread to the people. I'm sure Jesus did a few people. But the disciples are the ones that did that. And Jesus is trying to teach them something. They say, look, look, guys, you do this stuff. You do these works. You bring change to these circumstances. It's not just me. It's not just me on this place. I'm not limiting it to me to be this kind of like, um, again, it sounds ridiculous. And I know you get me, but it's not just this kind of like savior guy and that's it. But actually, he's not that. That's not the message he, he, he left with us. He left the message saying, look, I'm the example. Look at me. Look at how I am. Behold me. But actually, go and do the same stuff. Go and walk on water. Go and feed the 5,000. Go and do what you, what you see me doing. I don't want it to be just about, I'm it and no one else is. But I want it to be that you see me and then you go and do. You see me, you catch it. You see me do that with the bread and then you go and give it out. And actually realise that this thing is not reducing in my hands. It's constantly increasing and that's in my hands. I'm giving this out and it's not reducing. It's, it, it, there's something happening here through my hands. That they'd missed the fact that heavenly interaction was affecting what they did. So that when they were in the boat, they'd missed the fact that actually heaven intervenes in this environment because we do something about it. We speak to the storm and tell it to be still. We say, actually, boat go from this side to that side, and it goes. We walk on water, whatever way the disciples could have done that. And I think that Jesus saw them struggling in the middle and went, okay, they need a bit of help. Not the help that they think they're going to get, but they need a bit of help. They need an example. So I'm going to go to them. Give them an example of me walking past them. Because I want them to catch the fact I'm walking past them so that they see I'm walking past them. And it's actually, wait a minute, Jesus did something and then we did the same thing when we're giving out the food. Maybe Jesus walking across there, we can do the same thing that he can do and we can walk across as well. And Peter for a moment got it, walked on water for a bit and then just got caught up with the circumstances again. But that's, in a strange kind of way, in a roundabout way, what I believe he is shifting for us in the way we approach prayer that he is not wanting us necessarily to have this kind of like Jesus you've got to intervene in this situation mentality but actually Jesus you've empowered me to intervene in this situation kind of mentality you're my source that Jesus you're the light of the world and yet you you then say we are the light of the world that that realisation actually who you are is who you've made us. And therefore you are shining, therefore you're calling us to shine. And that the way I approach people that are sick, the way I approach circumstances that are difficult, the way I approach um, family situations, the way I do those things is not necessarily me going, it's not about language, but not necessarily me going, God, please intervene in this situation situation but me going okay this situation is going to change and Jesus will just declare that there'll be a change in the, the health of that person that, that that sickness leave now in Jesus name and I'm not saying it's, you have to declare like that but, but there's an attitude about it that Jesus you've empowered me to be light in the world and therefore I, where I see darkness of depression where I see darkness of sickness where I see darkness of, of pain or hopelessness I'm going to come into that situation I'm going to be light because you've empowered me to do that. I mean, I'm not just going to get caught in the middle and pray, Jesus, please come into my boat because my boat is sinking. Please, please come into my boat because my boat is sinking. But actually, Jesus, I see you walking across the water. Actually, wait a minute. Yeah, we can walk across the water. And it's a shift in the way 
that he's encouraging us, I believe, to look at it. That I really am finding myself drawn back into the Gospels to see him interact because for two reasons that when I've seen him I've seen the father that idea is just permeating again and again and again that I want to see what God's like I want the way that I think about God that's wrong to change because I want to see Jesus but secondly that when I've seen him I start to be transformed into that image I start to express that and I look at the circumstances in a school that I work in or in I listen to the stories at like the homeless form about what people are going through and I'm thinking this isn't right this is not okay it should not be like this and instead of going Jesus please come into my boat and save, change the situation he's going no no wait a minute look what I did I walked across from one side to the other walk across walk across walk across walk across bring peace to the storm bring health where there's sickness bring life where there's death bring breakthrough where there's just been a stagnation for years he's shifting our mentality in the way that we see prayer got us on a journey and on that journey we are going to face circumstances that are contrary to us some of those circumstances just because of the nature of the places that we go to you know you're gonna see and it's windy you're gonna get waves you with the homeless and it's cold you're gonna get angry people some of them are going to be because we are going into areas where sounds dramatic but where there is enemy occupation whether that's cultural areas whether that's physical areas whatever it may be and there's resistance to that I believe that but in whatever's the reason for the opposition circumstances or some kind of devil interaction Jesus' message is exactly the same in both those circumstances keep your eyes on me and you're, you, you walk on water Keep your eyes on me and you bring change to the circumstances. Keep your eyes on me and you speak calm to the storm and it's storm and it's calm. Keep your eyes on me and you bring hope to the hopeless. Keep your eyes on me and you bring light to the darkness. Keep your eyes on me and you start to do what I did. But greater than these. Greater than these. And that's just phenomenal. That just blows my mind. Even if that is, as a body, as a church, greater than these, I don't care. It's still ridiculous in what it means. He didn't just come to save the world. He came to be the example of what's possible, of what is possible for us to walk in, what's possible for me to walk in tomorrow when I go to work. So Jesus, thank you for saving us, absolutely. But thank you also for being our example. Thank you for also walking past and reminding us actually what's possible. Reminding us actually in the midst of difficult circumstances, for us personally or for, that we find ourselves in on behalf of other people, that actually you've called us to be storm calmers, you've called us to be light givers, you've called us to be hope distributors, that you've called us to be those things and not just feel stranded in the middle of a storm 
crying out for someone to come and save us. But you've called us to be those who walk on water and bring hope everywhere we go. Help us be that this week. Help us be brave enough to be that this week. Help us to, to, to do what we need to do to demonstrate that this week. Even when we don't want to. Even when we feel like we're not able to. Remind us who you've made us. Remind us whose we are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good day, everybody.